Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today, because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Welcome to the Hurling Show. Cheddar's here on a Monday and making his GAR debut. We have Brian Carroll all the way from Offaly on the phone. Brian, how's it going? Good, Willie. Thanks very much for inviting me here. No problem at all. Now, I have to let you know that Cheddar travelled in the wind and rain to Semple Stadium on Saturday night and then he headed down to Nolan Park yesterday in the wind and rain. So, like, I mean, this is the level of commitment that you're kind of being exposed to. So it is like a young fella coming up on a panel and one of the most experienced fellas kind of setting the standards for you here, Brian. Oh, yeah, I expect nothing less out of Tedder. He's, um, he's well-renowned well for his, uh, his work and his professionalism, so fair play to him going out in that wind and rain. But uh, I <laughs> did have to have to endure the Offaly Watford game yesterday, so uh, do um, have some sympathy for me, please. Jesus, right, we're going to talk to you about that um, when we get a chance there in part two or part three, because it seems like every year we're talking about where's Offaly Hurling going to go, and it, like the conversation's nearly getting old at this stage, that I'm not, not really sure where, where it's going to go anymore. Um, we'll get your thoughts on that, but I want to start about giving out, lads, start off by giving out, Cheddar, and I know you don't like giving out, you, don't, you seem to be very much a lot calmer than me about things like this. But hurling people are not happy. Davy Fitz isn't happy. Anthony Daly last night on League Sunday isn't happy. And they're talking about Tony Kelly sending off the other night. And they're talking about the rule makers and the referees' assessors. And they're talking about... So the, the assessors are telling referees to crack down on head-high tackles and hand passes. So Tony Kelly gets an undeserved straight red card and it costs, obviously... Clear a lot. It, ba- it was back to five points at this stage, and everybody's saying here, um, Cheddar, after the year hurling had, like while a few hand passes might actually be thrown, but is it? Do we need to clamp down on it? Like, I mean, it's very hard for a referee really to know a hundred percent if it's been thrown or not. Um, yeah, look, uh, uh, we've discussed this before, I suppose, Wooly. Um, you know, rules 
Now, are there real rules? Because if they are, you've got to police them really, really strongly. Or, you know, some rules just are there for guidelines and, and hand passes is one of those. Now, I, I'm being deliberate in what I'm saying here because, look, there's a lot of rules that if you were to referee them exactly as they say in the rule book, there wouldn't be an awful lot of general play going on, I can tell you. Um, so I, I think the, the head-high tackle, like my comment on that first, look, it can be a dangerous tackle. It's a tackle that, that can be specific to hurling because... You know, even if you take some some forwards, they lean into the defenders. It's just a, nearly a normal reaction for your hurley to slip up uh, around the shoulders, and suddenly your hurley's around the player's neck and a little bit near the head, and that. Um, and um, you know, it could be actually the, re- the the cause of the forward or the defender coming out the ball. I'm not saying it's all forwards, but it's it's difficult to actually referee, and there needs to be some level of discretion here for referees in in calling that. I don't think I was actually at the game on Saturday night. I don't think that Tony Kelly deserved to be sent off for what he did. Now, having said that, I was at the game at Kenny yesterday, and I think Damien Callahan was a lucky man he wasn't sent off, you know, so it, it works both ways. It's a very, very difficult one for referees um, to call it, and I think we just need to leave it up to the referees. If they call it, they have a split second to make these decisions. You know, it's not easy, and and uh, leave it up to the referees. I think if there was a trend, I'd be concerned about it then, even if there was a trend in a game. So I think rather than assessors going to matches and looking at the real minuta here about every single decision um, if the referee is refereeing it fairly and generally gets it right um, you know let's not go crazy about it yeah. the second one is more important I think the hand passes um, look I don't know how many hand passes it's, it's not it's not it's just, it's a key part of the game obviously and it's a key skill and you know you, you spoke about the last night here Willie about or the last day Willie about um, um, Adrian Mullen collecting a ball in the other hand and changing hands and we've seen some reverse hand passes and all of those things some some fantastic skill things um, particularly in the last couple of years but I don't see hand pass hand pass I know Conor Donovan has raised this issue um, and I, it's a little bit of a red herring of what are you going to do police every single hand pass play it back every single time um, because if you do you are going to be blown for a few of them and look one hand pass may very well be true leading to a goal and if you're the opposition manager you would be absolutely mad about it but take these things in, in, in general um, and I don't think it's an issue um, I think the head high tackles they are dangerous like, there's no doubt about that but I think leave it to the referee's discretion they'll get it right most of the time and if they don't look we're just going to have to live with that but we, let's not start playing back all of these things and looking, start looking for fouls Yeah exactly what's your take on it um, Brian the he- Tony Kelly was fairly reckless the way he went in now but I've never seen a red card for that in hurling before No look he was reckless but it probably comes down to forwards in general um, don't know how to tackle like, I can certainly hold my hand up over that you spend years concentrating and putting the ball over the bar up in the twines and the last thing you're thinking of is tackling Kilkenny obviously changed that whole rhetoric in, in, in the noughties and now suddenly forwards have to do absolutely everything so I think in general forwards are probably poor enough at tackling and, and don't know how to actually do it but uh, look, I wouldn't agree with everyone in this situation. There's no way that was a sending off. A little bit of common sense should apply. Well, this would never happen in championship. This is the thing that probably grates with most people. I was at the game in, in Torres yesterday, and six or seven times we've seen the game blown up, and all the players are standing on, on both sides, just looking at the referee going, what are you blowing the whistle for? Either it was a crackdown on steps, the hand pass, and, and it was just so frustrating. Um, so we need a little bit of common sense now on the flip side of that I know there's no no 
place for common sense in the rule book and they're supposed to move towards uh, adjudicating the rules that are in place but it's been dominated by the assessor and yeah. you know they're having these think tanks up in Crow Park or wherever have their meetings and they're in and they're looking they're in as a group of referees and they're being, being you know t- having to toe the line in certain areas and I know Brian Gavin like arguably the best referee we had over the last you know century or last couple of this century sorry um you know, he's been excellent and he was really, really against these type of meetings where, you know, you've you've the, the assessors pointing out indiscretions that the referees make. You know, I, I just wouldn't be for that at all. Right, okay. So this this isn't a referees issue. This has been complete pressure being put on him. And Davy Fitz alluded to that yesterday as well. He said that this is not the referees, it's the assessors putting pressure on him. And there's one thing I always say about hurling cheddar is that it the refereeing is consistent in that by Jesus you have to win your free, right? Now sometimes when you actually blow a free you'd be thinking Jesus, you let so much else go away why is that a free so, but in general referees make sure you have to win your free like you really have to earn it and then you see the games at the weekend and you had Colin Gilfoyle from Clare who got that penalty um, I think it was Barrett who was fouling him now he was fouling him but you very rarely see a penalty given for that you have to kind of win your own ball and you have to be strong enough to hold him off even if he might be holding your arm he ended up scoring a point anyways so that's one example and then you have another example of Aaron Gallant catching a lovely long ball at Wexford and Limerick caught it on the edge of the square went down to his knee two lads start tackling the man not the not the actual you're not meant to even allow tackle the man and there was a free given against Galan for that do you know what I mean so now is this kind of same thing and we have that issue in football is the consistency was that a free was that whereas hurling you kind of knew where you stood and now is there a danger that you won't know where you stand um, I, I, I think look we're probably bringing in a couple of other things into it now I mean uh, the Gilfile um incident it was going to be a goal and you know if you're foul I mean a defender if a defender's able to hold up the forward illegally in the small square let alone in the big one um, well you know that's a bit of a problem really and you don't want to give um, um, I suppose more focus on freeze if they're inside in the small square than they are out the field but to have a bigger impact on the game um, and I, I actually did think it was a penalty and you know Gilfile done some fantastic work he, he held off uh, Barrett caused him an awful lot of problems on the night tapped the ball on his hurley and then tapped it over the bar it was an outrageous piece of skill yeah. but it was a penalty and and uh, you know w- if you were the manager um, would you take a point or a goal I know I know what we'd want um, so I think uh, bear in mind uh, I think they're a little different and we've uh, um, we had this discussion I think maybe last year Wooly there's two people who are very very close to that and, and I'm not sure on it, whether they actually call that or not but they're very very close to it and you know they're, they're the referees to umpires who you know he trusts and I think if they call that a penalty it's a penalty it has a major impact on the game um, let's say Gilfile didn't score the point and let's even just take Gillan's you know I didn't actually see that incident but if that was a free in it's a go- well it should be a goal um, and instead of that it was a free out what did the umpires call or did the referee make that call I don't know but I, I think there are some areas of the field that are free like that has a major bearing on the game particularly in close games and that, that I think you might have to maybe look at it a little differently the problem that I have is there's no real clarity about how that's going to be refereed and you're right there's a, uh, there's there's inconsistencies but 
we're going to have inconsistencies. I, mean, I don't want to just uh, take the middle ground on this and, and not have a strong opinion on it. But there's human beings refereeing matches here doing the best that they can, calling it the best that they can. And I don't know of any referee at that level that goes out to give a team an advantage. It might look like that, but he certainly doesn't go out to do that. And I'd probably say if I was put, put myself in the shoes of the referees of both incidents on Sunday, would I have made it a d- different decision? And would that have been the right one? I'm not so sure. So I think we're just... This is where we are. Uh, um, you know, we've a referee who is sprinting up and down the field, probably covers more ground than any player. Um, and to make a quick decision like that, he has two umpires. So I think if the free is close to the goal, it has a major impact and bearing on the game. I think they should come into play and call it. Other than that, we're just going to take these things in the chin. But I, I do agree, and I do agree with Brian, that the pressure, particularly on young referees, and I've said this before, that the refereeing in Division 2A and even 1B is different. And the refereeing in the league and in the championship is very different um, so how can you apply a rule in a certain way in April and have a very different way of applying it in Croke Park in September like it, it needs to be it's either right or it's wrong and it needs to be applied consistently throughout throughout the season Is that a big issue in the game uh, Brian you're still playing at club level um, anyways like I mean you're in wrestling with your man and he has hold of one of your hands because you do see a lot of lads having to ju- juggle a ball w- with the hurley in one hand because the other hand is being held yeah, look, yeah, it's an issue, but I'd actually disagree with both uh, decisions that were made because I actually don't think it was a penalty um, on, on Gilfile. Um, Barris did what any cornerback you'd expect, and Gilfile was excellent in his strength and, and, and scored a fantastic score. <sighs> Being honest, no, I, I actually I think if we start blowing for that type of a foul for penalty, sure, it'll be stop start every situation. Turns, um, turns Galan, same thing, I agree, which uh, should have been a penalty. Uh, rather than a free out but the issue here is how far away the referee has was from both players they were both long balls into the square yeah. um, so my answer to that is like let's have two referees um, get rid of the, the two linesmen we've three inter-county referees at all these National Hurling League and Championship games will you put two referees one at each end make it so much easier I know people will whinge about consistency they're well able to do it with international rules they're able to do it in AFL um, and then many other sports get on with it as far as I'm concerned and make make it a lot easier in the referees at least they're closer to the play and if they're closer to the play they'll be able to call a line ball just as easily as well um, I just think it's a, it, it's a bit of a joke um, the fact that the referee is, has to get up and down that field in, in hurling in particular and obviously in football it will be a great call because the amount of the rules and, and regulations that they have in that game so two referees for me is the answer for, from, from that perspective Yeah I actually I, I, when it comes to Gaelic football I'm not so sure about the, the two uh, referees I've never heard somebody suggest to do away with the sideline men and you probably could if there's a referee close enough to it what do you think of that like the two in hurling when the ball can travel 80 yards down the field Sure, the referee's constantly having to position himself and guess. Like, I mean, it does make sense absolutely in hurling. There's more of a debate for me in football. Uh, I, I, I'm not so sure. Um, I, I, I obviously need to give it more more thought. But I, I think certainly the incident that I saw on on, uh, on Saturday night, the referee had a clear view of it. Um, 
you know, he certainly was in the Tipperary half of the field or, or, or um, uh, close enough to, or sorry, in the Clare half of the field or close enough to, to see it. He, you know, he certainly had a full view of it and I think it was maybe more than more than Cahill actually dragging over him as well. But, but, but whether or which, I think if you have two referees, it's not going to change anything. It's the ap- it's the application of the rule here and I suppose the referee's perception of what actually happened. If you have two people on the field, you're going to have two different perceptions. And you That's might have, the danger. That's you might, the danger. You might have one referee on one side would give let's say we were the, the very same commi- free was committed on both sides a referee on one side might give it and the other might see it something differently but I do think on Saturday night he had a full view of it and you know gave the call he gave for it Yeah okay well what about Seamus Flanagan and Liam Ryan just to move off these then uh, Brian are we agreed that that probably a red card I think Liam Ryan stuck Keen Lynch into the barrier Seamus Flanagan yeah, got a bit got a bit annoyed about glossed it. over last night Yeah it was glossed honest, over Yeah Liam Ryan was the instigator here, let's be honest. He, yeah. he hit Keane Lynch, a nice little dunt up into the stand, and Seamus Flanagan reacts with it like you'd expect any of your, your, your former your teammates to get in there and, and don't let them away with that. And Seamus Flanagan was irate, cornerback came flying in, a load of people kept flying in at that stage now, and look, Flanagan probably did a little bit more in the scuffle than Liam Ryan did, but you know, Liam Ryan got a, a free pass last night, I thought. I, I think he started the whole thing. And I know from my perspective, as a forward, the amount of late hits you get like that, and the person usually gets away with it. And I've been bl- involved in a lot of those sort of situations. So, yeah, two reds probably. Considering that it went on for so long, you can see why the referee gave it. Yeah. Um, you know, so, again, the league w- would have been two reds in the championship. Debatable. But then again, I don't think you'd have a... You'd have a an all-in kind of situation like that in championship I think players just kind of get this out of their system early in the year John Milan said in commentary that there's bad blood between Limerick and Wexford because of what happened in Boston now I didn't watch that Super 11s did either of you know what that happened in Boston did they have well, a row in that match Damien, well Damien Rexy got his jaw broken in a, in a innocuous challenge oh. maybe maybe there's and there was a Wexford fielder was intent in the challenge that happened that time he ended up actually having to um, be stretchered off and he was he, he I think he was about a week or maybe two uh, late in coming home he'd fly home on his own so um, he's, not, he's not back to full fitness yet either so maybe maybe there is a little bit in that but I'm not, I'm not so sure no, so I, don't, I don't know enough about it Right okay well we'll agree that they were two reds and I'm with you Brian I think that Kelly Kelly was very harsh done by and even Gilfoyle was a soft penalty but anyways what the hell does anybody care what I think another quick one lads because I'm not a hurling person is uh, Callanan's penalty in the first half was saved by Tuhi and he broke Tuhi's hurl with the power of the penalty is that unusual Cheddar? Um I, I actually can't ever remember it actually either. happening, but it, 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 I suppose um, it shouldn't be unusual. Uh, goalkeeper's hurl is obviously a big boss, but the thickness of the stick is much less than outfield hurlies or his puck out hurley, although there's supposed to be rules all around that now, um, because he obviously needs needs a light hurley for for you know for quick saves and that. Um, so uh, it probably wouldn't be unusual um, that it would happen. And you know, bear in mind a lot of players would play with a pieced hurley or a repaired hurley and that as well and I just may not have the same strength maybe as a new Hurley so I, I can't actually remember it happening Woolly now that you asked the question um, but I, I you know on, on reflection it's probably un, not unusual that it would happen with a goalkeeper stopping a ball like that What about you Brian do you ever break a Hurley with the ferocity of one of your penalties? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't broken my own heart. Actually, <laughs> he, he'd no hoops. 
um, on his hurl. Um, so that actually does affect the strength of the of the boss. Now I've never seen one being broken with the strength of a shot, but it can just sometimes be innocuous enough. But yeah, I've often you often see a, a boss or, or a piece of a hurry going flying after just striking a ball keenly. Um, it happened to me last year as well, especially if as uh, if the ash is fresh as Cheddar loose and it has no hoops on it. So that's why people there's there's two reasons people use hoops. One is to prevent splits of the hurley or breath and a boss like that or if it's been peace so um, you know in this case over the last couple of years you've seen a lot of people move away from the hoops actually it used to be traditional in certain counties like Wexford and and Galway but um, it it seems to have crept into a lot of hurley makers now and people tend to use no hoops initially anyway Yeah why why is there no hoops Cheddar? No that's a very good point Brian I I actually have noticed that as well but haven't started to discuss it with anybody but yeah an awful lot of players prefer to play without the hoops and um, you know certainly if you had a vast player certainly back in my day almost I would be very surprised if you saw a hurley without a hoop and it wasn't necessarily that the hurley makers were making them with hoops that that was your preferred choice and you know it just got the balance of the hurley the weight of the hurley right for you and, uh, and that but um, now that Brian has raised it, there's an awful lot of uh, current players who obviously prefer to play without the hoops. And is it, it a fashion thing? Like, is it uh, I, I, fashion I, or is it pra- more practical? No, I don't think so. Um, there was a, there was obviously reasons for the hoops. It you just it prolonged the life of your hurley, and you could piece your hurley even with the hoops and 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 keep it going for a couple of years if you were lucky. Um, but the, the other thing, a lot of players it plays the hoops to to just mark out the sweet spot on the hurley and that to strike. The ball and that, um, um, and but I, I'm, I'm surprised actually that an awful lot of players now uh, don't use them, and I don't really know the reason. What do you think? Yeah, I you actually, think? yeah. Well, for starters, Cedars, you used to use barbed wire, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> dangerous times back in your day. Now, Port Leash and, and, and cameras, so um, barbed wire was de- definitely a necessity. But uh, I actually used to. Hold that was around the fi- that was around the fields, Brian. So it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, I used to use them um, when I was younger. Actually, all the way up. But in the last couple of years, it just tends that the hurdles come without hoops, and I don't know. There's kind of a maybe a nicer feel to it doesn't bother me either way but I suppose I'm just kind of in the last couple of years it's just crept in maybe it is a fashion thing really I don't know I suppose I have to put a huge amount of thought into it either but there is a lovely feel I suppose if you don't put hoops on it initially at least you have the option to put one on to affect the balance as you see fit or you know rather than um you know, I like to get a good bit of timber initially, and if I'm playing it off or put on a hoop as as I see fit thereafter, you know. Yeah, and Brian, I was just said, just thinking of it, um, you know, we we would have banded our own hurleys. You just did it yourself, and you actually held the bands from one hurley to the other. You just tapped them back off again, um, and you'd have them uh, spotted at the end, um, um, you know, so you could reuse them. And you know, at some stage or other, when you put too many tacks in them, they just start to get dangerous, and you have to get rid of them. Um, and you'd retain some bands that might have a little bit of weight in them that you, you know you might like to reweight your hurley with a little bit more on the boss and that so th- th- that's why I'm surprised that that you know players aren't using them for other reasons but you know look you'd probably need to ask some of the top players at the, at the minute why they're doing that that was back in the 80s when times were hard cheddar and you had to keep the one hurley for two years or something <laughs> like probably, that look, there probably was a little bit of that in it as well yeah. Uh, really, yeah maybe the Celtic Tiger maybe his county boards have so much money now Brian you, you break a hurl who gives a <laughs> shit they'll just get me another one uh, I don't know about that now, but uh, actually, I prefer. I love. I don't like breaking my hurl at all. I'd much rather I, I could have 
my good one now I'd hold it for the for some of the big games maybe and use it in the training coming up to it I'd only use it intermittently to be honest I wouldn't use it in every single training session I'd I'd have maybe four or five hurdles on the go and I'd go through the maybe the lesser few in different training sessions and, and have the good sweet one then for the big matches Right really um, and come here just, just mm. on that Brian say you've got that hurl that you absolutely love and you're using it sparingly if that breaks then in a championship match is your head like oh feck it anyways I need that for the freezer Well you'd have to have you'd have to have a really close second um, if, if I'm going into a third that match has gone <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah no you'd have to have take a me second, off being honest that's, uh, yeah take me off that's it good luck um, no I hate breaking her to be honest and I, I've been like that since a child but yeah you know you need uh, look I'd have a number one a very close second which would be ready that if the good one ever goes it's at least ready to step up and then I'd have two or three that just not as sweet and I'd be waiting then I'd, I'd get I get my hurdles from um, Star Hurley's you know Remy Dowling's down in Kilkenny and um, give him a plug and um, I know they're well known but um, I'd use them down there and then maybe you could get two or three hurlies but you'd only get one real sweet one out of it you know right. to be really really happy with so you, you could have to go through a few hurlies to get that, that real sweet one right okay and, and I'm a forward so you know I'm looking for something that I'm well used to um, that you're you know you're trying to hit that sweet spot as Shedder said the whole time and that you're used to it whereas you know a back so they can pick up anything <laughs> definitely the forward union is talking there no I suppose it just raises um, look here's what actually happens in reality um, you would cut out your template for the type of hurley size or hurley size of boss thickness of boss and all of that and leave it with your favourite hurley maker and, and uh, you know throughout your career then he would make some for you and look with all the best intentions he'd make the very best hurleys he could for you but you might get three of them and maybe one is the one that you really like um, and you know Brian has explained it well there you'll, you'll practice with the other ones in case you break your favourite one and that but yeah. particularly for a free taker it's hugely hugely important obviously as Brian has alluded to Yeah no definitely just final question then Brian on this one because they're very interesting we could do a whole show on these hurleys here um, how, what's the longest you've ever had a hurley then without breaking it? Oh I had a hurl and it's still actually going on here. it just it kind of lost it, it kind of broke in the middle but it's not the same had it on a go for about four years Right Mm, now, look, but as I said I'd only be holding that for big games do you remember who broke oh. it <laughs> probably broke it myself leaning on it as, uh, <laughs> I'd say he remembers it Brian <laughs> <laughs> ok right we'll, yeah. mo- we'll move on from this or we'll be here for two hours lads. so Parik Fanning um, I thought he made an interesting point about losing home advantage right so we know Waterford got punished and they played down in Semple Stadium it didn't affect the result anything because they beat Offaly very well but he says that type of punishment takes hurling away from the community and away from the locality we haven't had a home game in 10 months so we're looking forward to having one that type of punishment doesn't serve any purpose and I think he has a point because like I mean if if they want to punish you financially why don't they just take the gate of it but let you play at home do you know what I mean because all the children now are coming out at half time and you see it across all the grounds and it's not promoting hurling by bringing Waterford especially after last year's championship bringing them everywhere to bring a league game when they have it finally and we know in hurling you've only five league games three are away two are at home so you might only have two home games the whole year do you know what I mean now you will with the Munster League but at the same time, it's a fairly tough punishment on the actual county if you look at the big 
at the big picture rather than maybe just take the money off the county board for the gate receipts or something like that? No, I, th- I think so, Willie. I think, look, there's some of these decisions there absolutely baffle me at times. Um, and look, I suppose if the punishment was going to change behaviours here, you might agree with it, and I wouldn't, but you might. But the punishment is not going to change behaviours here in terms of what actually happened with this match. I think Watford had to play an away game. This wasn't the, the, because they didn't have a home venue. But let's, let's just treat it as that. How you prepare county teams is way more sophisticated now than just turning out your team. The the fabric of your team encompasses your relationship with the supporters and your sponsors and all of those things and all the young people in the county. How is Waterford going to grow the game and develop the game in Waterford if the flagship team isn't, isn't playing in front of kids? And wh- what people make these decisions that don't think about the impact of those things? Um, and just think about that for a minute. Um Waterford County Board or the team itself needs to encourage and, and enthuse supporters to get in behind the team. How can you do that and tell them, lads, I want you to get in here now behind the team and really push on the team, but you know something, we're going to play our, our matches 50 miles away. It just doesn't make sense. And, and I agree with you, Willie. If you want to, if you want to hit him hard, um, you know, punish him with, with, with monetary fines or something like that, it does hurt. There's no doubt about that. But this is just, I, I, I just, I'd be baffled by it some of the times. Yeah, what do you think, Brian? Yeah, is, is this in response to them having a training camp? Out yeah, yeah. Time that they were. Yeah, look, first and foremost, I think fair play to Watch for taking on the chin, no more than Leash and John Sugu, the letter that he wrote. You know, we have to call into into seriously the integrity of certain counties in in dealing with this situation. Like we had some ridiculous excuses. You know, we had a certain county say that, oh, we went away as a group of friends. There's nothing wrong with that. We'd another saying they went on a historical trip. Like seriously, lads. You know, have a little look at yourselves as 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 players, management, county board that you're going to stand over such ridiculous excuses. And then you have other county boards. Fair play, so for taking it on the chin. I don't agree with the, the sanctions. Um, agree with Cheddar completely. You know, I could even agree with your your idea that maybe take the gate off them. But um, you know, it opens an up much wider issue from my perspective, where some counties are just going to light with their teeth uh, and think that we're everyone's naive enough to accept those those answers. What can the GEA do for those counties? All they can do if that's if that's what a, a county board chairman's going to stand up and give us an excuse. Sure, you have to take them essentially under not so strong word yeah it's all messed it's all messed up lads anyways because I've talked about this on the football show you've got a month for clubs in April you start your Munster League which is of vital importance in hurling very first week in May and you're not allowed to see your players for the month before so then some managers say well I've given them three weeks with their clubs now I might go down the country to carry or I might go somewhere and get a good training camp and you're punished for that it sounds perfectly reasonable to me that you might get your players before a bloody inter-county season. So it's the April for clubs is messing the whole thing up. I think it is. Look, there's obviously a concern here about the the monies and all of that, and the you know possible funding issues and all of that. But there's other ways of actually managing that, and I think it's particularly significant for Waterford. They actually have no home games, um, so you know yep. maybe they weren't going to be able to play at home anyway. And just consider the madness of that for a minute. I think Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was about three thousand people at the, at the match at the weekend. Don Garvin, I've been in. Yeah. Is that what was that, Brian? Okay, well, Don Garvin, yeah. and I was I was I've been at some matches there. I've been involved in this. 
sideline in some matches there is certainly capable of holding I would imagine eight or 10,000 people how the, how they cannot play at least league matches there maybe I might understand Munster Championship matches not being played there but how can it play home league matches I don't know and how to be honest with you Waterford County Board can stand over those type of decisions I don't know either Yeah ok fair enough Last la- or second last one David Fitzgerald lads at the weekend was announced this lad's a glutton for punishment he's been announced at Six Mile Bridge I think that's his club isn't it that's his own home club Yeah so like, club, yep. I mean not only is he going to commute from, um, from Clare across to Wexford which is a disaster now he's going to manage his club in the championship and the only thing I can read into this is that he's not expecting Wexford to get further in Clare because if Wexford gets further in Clare in the championship sure David it is unworkable Cheddar to have that kind of a work load at inter-county level and to be a club manager as well right? Uh, it, look, it, it is a bit surprising, Willie. But uh, look, I'm only assuming that Wexford County Board and the team, you know, were fully consulted on this, and that they're fully satisfied that that their needs are being fully met here. Um, uh, but it does send out a mixed message here, and you know, like Wexford are on a good platform, but they need to step up, uh, particularly this year. I think this is year three of uh, of Dave's, Davies' period there, and they sort of need to step up this year, in the, and in the league and in the championship. Um, and look, if that doesn't happen, you know, de- definitely, as I, I think I said here last weekend, that, you know, the, people get a little bit restless then at that stage. And if those type of mixed messages are, are sort of out there, um, it's not helpful. And I was sort of surprised by it, to be honest with you. I'm assuming, uh, as I said at the start, that, you know, Wexford County Board and particularly the team itself and the panel, bear in mind they went down to Clare to, I suppose, you know, force Davies' hand to, to, to stay involved here because they felt that that relationship was going to give them some something more this year and that there was more work that could be done there um, so it, it definitely I think at the very least sends out a mixed message unless on the Clare Championship is not going to start until September or October or something like that and I'd be surprised if that's the case That's the only way it looks It doesn't. I don't think it has a great look does it Brian? No it doesn't but I will say in David's defence this isn't the first time he's done this and he's been hugely involved in his own club even because I met him in, in my own field in Collery one day with Six Mile Bridge Miners and he was involved um, I think he was involved with Clare at the same time you know, so he is a he is a massive club man I yeah. have to give him credit for that And but he he's not the only manager to do this either in the county manager that has been involved in club teams you know I know Eamon Kelly was doing the same with Leash and he was involved with club team in, in, in Tipperary as well so he's not he's not the only manager to do this but you know, overall the optics of it are not good I, I think it sends out you know a bit of a mixed message there's a little bit of probably excuse in this perspective in that it is his home club so maybe he's not going to be there every night and he's overseeing them with a view to being you know full time in, in September but no the, the optics like you, you, you just don't tend to see it with the, obviously the go to the likes of you know Brian Cody and um, you know Jim Gavin and these now having said that speaking of which I know Cody has been selector with James Stevens down through the years as well as being manager but he's not in that figurehead role and maybe they just filter in and out so it's different when it's your own club I think yeah jeez imagine being a poor club manager and Cody's only a selector <laughs> where, <laughs> where would you stand like I mean Jesus Christ you'd be gone quickly just before we move on we've gone to town on this top of the show here lads uh, Limerick had no sponsor under 
jerseys, Brian, did you find that a little bit unusual? I was reading about it there and they've said, the Limerick County Board have said the new Limerick GA jersey uh, design encapsulates the traditional look and feel of GA jerseys by going back to basics. The Shannon Siders have broken current tradition with this new design concept as it's the first inter-county jersey in a number of years not to feature a sponsor on the front as well as having a clear green look and feel to it opposed to the intricate design on the previous jersey. They're nearly gone back to a 1980s design. JP McManus has okayed not to have anything on the front of it. And it's like, it, to be fair, it's a little bit unforgiving on some of the players. I saw Tom Condon was carrying a little bit of junk in around the belly area. So like, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's too happy about this new design. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, um, I want a few pounds because they copied the design of Kuleri, um, which I designed the Kuleri jersey. So you did not, did the you? Exact same, they did, they did the exact same jersey. We've no sponsor either, by the way. Um, so it's almost carbon copy. We have the same green as well and the white trim. Um, so thanks very much, uh, JP. I'll, I'll, I'll look for a few bob there off you. Um, you have plenty to spare. <laughs> so, so you, but, <laughs> but you, uh, you probably have a different reason for having no sponsor being a tiny little village. So you're not going back to the traditional look. I'm sure it's probably hard to get a bloody sponsor. In <laughs> it's, it's enforced, exactly. <laughs> no, we were offered sponsors and we were going well, all right. Um, but no, we stayed true to our tradition and, 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 and stayed without it. We used to have one intermittently but yeah no we can't we don't obviously don't have that attraction uh, we don't even have a shop or a pub in the village so we don't have anything um, no look I think it's a fantastic jersey to be honest I, I love the retro look um, of that and, and, and the way a lot of the jerseys are gone I, I much prefer it than you know some of these intricate designs that are there keep it simple as it's you know it's, it's we'll, we'll say it's not a fashion show but I suppose it is a fashion show and, and the more simple it is the better yeah, exactly. Cheddar, any fashion tips there on the jersey or will we just move on? No, I wouldn't be known for that. No, no, I, I, I just say, um, I suppose, um, look, JP has, a ma- has been a massive sponsor for Limerick for a long number of years, not just necessarily when they had success last year. And is a massive sponsor of a whole lot of good things in Limerick and deserves a savage amount of credit by all Limerick people uh, to do with that. And, and even when Limerick had success, he was thoughtful enough to think of other counties at the, at the same time. Um, so I, I don't think, you know, whether JP has his name or any of his organisations or companies or whatever on the name will make no difference to the man. I think it's different if you're a sponsor um, and, you know, you're contributing a significant an amount to to uh, a county team's training and that and uh, your kickback then is obviously t- t- the association with the team and so on and so on but also you know pictures and and, and all the PR that goes with that and that as well and, and you deserve that if you have you know dug deep into your pocket to, sp- to sponsor your county but I think Limerick is very very different and and I just want to add to that again it's, it's also different because you have somebody that has a great love of hurling you will see that you'll see him at all Munster Championship matches all, 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 all Ireland's and all of that um, so it's not it's definitely not just JP putting his hand in his pocket he's doing it because he loves the game yeah okay great stuff we'll come back and we'll have a look uh, at by the way before you go off of that there Willie you seem to have something on top of poor old Tom Condon, Condon there <laughs> you mentioned him regularly in a derogatory term there I love Tom Condon Tom Condon and I know you love him he's a throwback to a proper cornerback did you ever mark him Brian actually I did uh, raw out <laughs> um, he is your qu- quintessential cornerback yeah. he's a throwback now to Damien Ray Lewis Mark Good two years ago for Limerick too um, raw is the come yeah he won't like that comment I tell you he won't be long about shedding a few pounds but uh, come on give him some Drew it is the end of uh, January and they were in Cancun only a couple of weeks ago so don't be too hard on him no I won't definitely not. I'm a Tom Condon fan don't get me wrong here he's proper yeah, pro- I tell you what you do your, your jackass hour go in on him for half an hour <laughs> I don't think so I don't think so right we'll come back and we'll be back for part two
remember my mother to lord the mercy now she's dead she's eight years this year she never saw me holding life but she always went to the matches to the hotel the two finals and we got off the bus after the first one and the first person to meet me was my mother and she said look what's meant to be is meant to be she said keep the head up i said grand no problem man. thanks 96 back to the hotel again first person <laughs> off the bus my mother she says, ah, look, what's meant to be? I said, ma'am, you give it a fucking right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the big talking point coming out of this Tipperary Clare, well, obviously it was the Tony Kelly sending off, which had a huge bearing of the game. But Tipperary chose to play Paddy Maher as a sweeper. Now I watched this on air. I watched the replay of it on air, and they didn't really uh, mention it. So sometimes it's hard to tell on the television. But the, the Derek McGrath on League Sunday last night pointed it out that they chose to play him as a sweeper. So they played seven defenders because we've seen Paddy Maher be released into the sweeper role before Cheddar but it's usually reactionary if someone else plays the sweeper he plays but then that's six defenders against five forwards instead of now it's seven against six so there's a lot less space he gets on a lot more ball and Derek McGrath was showing examples last night of how it maybe releases cornerbacks and wingbacks to attack because he's there as cover for them um, yeah, there was a few really interesting things I suppose about the match on Saturday night. Um, first of all, uh, that, and second of all, that Clare allowed uh, Tipperary to choose the sweeper that they wanted, and that they didn't actually put somebody on him and force Tipperary to play somebody else. And I suppose on the flip side of that, um, certainly Gilfoyle was a complete mismatch for Cahill Barrett, a corner back, and was you know was was gaining serious advantage on him and you would have said at that stage well uh, you know Tipperary were in a defensive mode at the time would have not switched party over on him and allowed somebody else to be the sweeper so there was a couple of things that actually happened that that um, I thought there might have been more subplots to it that they might have changed things around a little bit more um, and it's very very different you can't allow the opposition team's marquee player show himself as be the marquee player and you know Paddy Marr is that in, t- in, in Tipperary and he's a leader in that defence in Tipperary and has been for a number of years you allowing him free space 30 metres in front of him to sprint out with the ball which he did a couple of times um, it, it just it just hurt you uh, hurt you and I think hurt your team spirit and all of that whereas it might be a little bit different if it was somebody else um, so I was surprised about a couple of those things but I don't think Willie that it, it, even though Tip may have started eventually um, it worked you know there was going to be a sweeper both ways as such and as it turns out the sending off was, was might have hurt Clare but actually what Clare did immediately on the sending off um, they, they moved their sweeper up the field and two goals went in immediately after that um, you know so so there was a couple of subplots to what actually happened right. but, uh, but I thought um I was just amazed that the let party be the free man um, uh, because look he's a very very quick player you, you, to play a sweeper you need you need certain skill sets and one of them is real quick front foot hurling and real good precision striking you need to be able to be very precise in your striking and I definitely wouldn't believe him party Marr be that player let's put it that way yeah it's, di- it's kind of difficult I suppose when like he's the perfect sweeper really Brian because his distribution is as good as anybody in the country it's up there with Tyg de Berka like it's just it's he just always kind of finds a man but how difficult is it when there's a sweeper say you're in corner forward or centre forward and you go push onto the sweeper then your man's following you then you know a ball comes in it gets very messy when you're trying to dictate who's who their sweeper is yeah look massive massively 
frustrating when you're playing inside two and three. But what I will say now, and I have to give Tipperary credit because I was actually at the Munster League final uh, two weeks previous when the same the two same two teams were playing, and I was hugely critical of Tipperary. Paddy Mar started at, at number three, and he stepped inside. Um, himself and Carl Barrett stayed inside. He picked up Gilfile actually physically, and. Um, I can't remember who Barrett picked up and I was actually Dunamar went out with the uh, corner forward that went out and played out the field maybe as a third midfielder um, trying to create confusion so Tony Kelly could create his game running everywhere so to Tipperary's credit they got they got to see first hand Clare's tactics and their game plan and knew that Clare wouldn't deviate from this plan so I was surprised probably initially to see um uh, Paddy Marr picked at number three again but it became very clear on Saturday evening very early that actually he's not going to play a three he's going to be the spare man they're not going to follow that extra man that went out the field the half forward line led by Noel McGrath in particular uh, they tightened up the middle third so that spare man out there became null and void and Paddy just ate up the world of ball so there's a there's a bit of a distinction there between setting up with seven defenders which I'm not so sure that did maybe right. Cheddar was there he might be a little bit hard to tell they just did yeah. they, they, they kept their six defenders yeah. and Pawdy was the chosen one free rather than following them out oh, well, I've that, 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 that wrong yeah I've that wrong no, I agree. So that was my take and Cheddar might be able to clear that no I agree Brian and, and to be honest with you it wasn't really a down to Tipperary I think um um, no. Cleary followed Noel McGrath out the field and Clare yeah. put a player in behind him so Clare actually probably started it off with playing the sweeper and they sort of had to you, you, you need to do something with Noel McGrath he'll shoot from distance four or five pints and you're in trouble but you can't send your centre back out after the meter you leave a big hole up the middle and ultimately that's what happened um, when when the man was sent off they moved their sweeper it was number 21 can't think of his name at the minute they moved them up the field because they obviously need to have more bodies in the middle third um, and all that space was behind him. Noel McGrath plays a huge amount of his hurling. He's very, very influential and very effective playing this role at playing out in front of the centre-back. You can't leave him there um, because he'll just shoot pints all day if you do. And Clare decided to send Cleary out on him and it, it worked. I mean, Clare were in striking distance of Tipperary, not playing very well. Tipperary were playing and had the momentum and had the real intensity about him on Saturday night that I haven't seen about him for a little while. Um, and and that's probably maybe best exemplified by, by uh, Shamey Callan's display but uh, I think to go back to Paddy Maher I think there was a little bit of uh, Tip's hand was forced um, but I do agree with you Brian he wasn't ultimately normally your sweeper will play off the, the circle in the in front of the parallelogram because you need to be attacking the ball rather than coming back into the ball because you may be a, you may be a third tackler or second tackler as, as well as everything else and when you win the ball you're creating two and ones coming onto your half back line get out into the open field and then distribute real precisely either to grass or to, or to player inside and really hurt the opposition and take their sweeper out of the play um, but you know leaving Paddy Marr do that just wouldn't make sense he's just too good and too, too much of a quality hurler and too much of a precise passer of the ball to allow him that free space Yeah it's shown a little bit yeah. of flexibility from Sheedy though isn't it uh, Brian in that yeah, he, lear- he learned a lesson f- learned a lesson from the week before like you were saying and Donald, Mo- Donald Maloney was interviewed on League Sunday last night and he says well Clare or Tipperary played a sweeper so like I mean he'd say he was just livid that his plan the week before Forward, they didn't fall for it again this week. Do you know they're so t- exactly? And no, I have to give credit to Sheedy in that, that regard. And I was very critical of him, you know, after that that 
Munster League game because I thought they post that game like they wanted to win it they were very riled up they had 9 or 10 at the starting 15 what you'd expect and they brought on some of their big guns that day as well so they went to win it and, and Clare you know got in 4 goals by them and you know were fully deserving their 10 point victory that day Colin Galvin by, by a matter was number 21 I think I think he was a sweeper and he obviously worked really well against Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final last year when, when they had no choice but to put him back in there uh, when the game was running away from them so you know Claire yeah, I'm surprised that Don Maloney came out with that statement I don't know where he was going but maybe he thinks everyone sitting at home is going to be fooled by that you know Claire only played two inside that's the way they've been playing up to now and um, you know fair play to Sheedy and, and, and they got it fully right and, and they got their best man as Cheddar said sitting in the pocket and he just ate up ball all day long. You know, it was it was a great performance, I'd say. But no, no better man to do that than Paulie Maher. You know? Okay, right. That's very that's interesting stuff. What about okay, Dermot Ryan? We talked about him last Thursday. Cheddar. He'd done a lot of scoring in that Munster League. How did he fare? And you reckon Gilfoyle looked like a good player? So there's a few new faces for Clare. Yeah, Gilfoyle uh, did look dangerous, and you know had Calabarin a lot of problems. I thought. Um, and it was interesting that you know just maybe talking tactically here for a minute previously we would have seen sweepers but you would have seen um, you know defences with some shape on them let it be five or six defenders as Brian has explained here Um, but what the two teams were doing on Saturday night was withdrawing their half hour line so you had a lot of numbers around the middle of the field and a huge amount of space inside Um, and I suppose if I was to be a little bit critical of Tipperary if they're creating the space inside that last that that final pass really needs to hurt the opposition and I think that they will get better with that and you know there's some serious forwards in there to be able to deal with that but Clare were doing the same thing um, and there was a lot of space inside in the Tipperary full back line and to be honest with you they didn't deal with it that terribly well even though it had an extra man in there because there was just a couple of chances that you know there were goal chances that had to, had to went in um, you know could have changed the course of the game um, so so I, I was interested in it tactically that you know both teams seemed to pull their players out the field a good we know sort of Clare do that create the space inside as such and either put the ball over the top to run onto or put the ball out in front of the player like they did with John Conlon last year create the space in the corner let him run onto it and then have have you know little moves or or interplays going on where they can pop the pines from there and, and it is a very very effective and very difficult to defend against um, so I, I think um, tip agree with I think the most important thing about Tip was the intensity that they played at Brian and I, I think that was really shown by Jamie Callan not in the score which was he'd he done some sublime hurling but actually the number of turnovers he forced on some clear players including sprinting around 70 metres back the field to get a hook in and turn over turn over uh, McInerney McInerney's yeah. a fair full back he's not you know he's, he's, he's not he's an experienced player in that and knew who was behind him in that so he really set the tone for the work rate for Tipperary um, and as your captain that's what you're looking for particularly in the earlier part of the season and certainly all of the, the tip players bought into that they were they were gang tackling some of the times and Clare players and Clare I suppose in a sense I think actually now that I think of it Brian I think you have to, I have to give credit to, to Liam and to Tommy um, and to Dara for looking at Clare because once a Clare defender got the ball they absolutely rushed at him in numbers knowing that they weren't going to clear, wrong, clear long all Clare for the last couple of years have been working the ball really short out of the 
defence with real sprinters on the ball uh, but they just didn't give him the chance to, to get out in the open field to be able to deliver that ball they shut it down at source and uh, you know I'd say the deliberate to try to do that on Saturday night and they were very successful and very very intense in doing it Yeah I think in those conditions and uh, Brian it was kind of like Liam Sheedy says you really need to come with a good attitude and fairness to my lads they came with great energy and a great attitude so on a night like that with a really strong wind does like tactics take a little bit of a back seat and Tipperary showed a, a great appetite for work which maybe last year in the championship they'd be, they could be accused of not doing yeah, no, fantastic from that perspective and Cheddar's bang on there. The big thing for me actually on top of that now and I fully agree with everything he said but to add to that would be their aerial ability particularly in the inside line. The, Shamie Callan got a roasting off Dave McInerney two weeks previous. I mean, he never got a look at it. He, Shamie ends up playing in three different positions. The very first ball that went in between the two of them, Shamie just used all his strength and physicality, threw him out of the way, caught it, won a penalty. It just set the scene for the day. I know the penalty ended up being saved, but Shamie was laying down the law early, like, you know, you, you might have got me two weeks ago, but not, no longer. And I really admired that aspect alone. And then, obviously, a young man, Jake Morris, fantastic under-21 season last year, really, really top class for Tipperary. He was he was so close to being the hero for Tipperary. He hit the post, ball goes down the other end of the field, and Clare stick the ball in the back of the net and tip it out with the championship. But his performance on Saturday night was, was certainly eye catching. Got a couple of great scores, but caught some brilliant ball inside. Kind of looks like Larry Corbett. Maybe doesn't have the pace of Larry now, but there's to be to be fair, not too many have. But um, you know, he, he threw out some great ball as well, and uh, I was really impressed with their ability to go route one and 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 their ability to feel that high ball. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Brian. And, and, and um, if we were to flip that and then look at Clare, um, you know, they had some of those problems in their full back line last year as well. I agree with you, Jake Morris. He was very, very impressive. And a left-hander looks looks very like uh, uh, the guy you said. Um, the, the other thing about Clare is that I think they only scored maybe three or four points from play. I know it was a, a very bad night. It was, it was breezy and it was rainy and all of that. But, you know, three points from play from that quality team is probably not enough. And the final point I'd say from Clare... Um, I'd say a high percentage of the puckouts, even with the breeze, um, were was was very short. Now you have to play short puckouts um, because otherwise, in that light limerick, you, the other team will just retreat back the field, put numbers under half back line, win it back, work the ball up the field, and then you're you're you're, you're going to take another puck out from a pint. Um, but I think they probably just done it way too many times and certainly really signalled this is what we're going to do. And I contrast that with Nash's puckouts in Kilkenny yesterday. They, they were they were superb puckouts. They were able to create space in behind their own half-forward line, get at the grass for the likes of Aidan Welsh, and that, that have some runners to create that space to create some confusion in the Kilkenny defence. And particularly earlier on, they were quite successful in a long puck-out going to hand. They probably just didn't have the inter-players, inter, inter-players developed to be able to get the next part out of that, which was to have somebody running, running through and taking the pass and popping the pint or going for goal. Right, OK. Well, just to finish in this section then, we'll just mention Wexford since we're on the subject of sweepers. So Wexford changed it this year in that instead of playing Murphy as the sweeper, is it Kyo now that's, that's playing as the sweeper for Wexford, Brian? But here's my thing. When you see Tipperary and every single team are using their centre-half backs to hold that centre and letting the centre-half forward on and making sure the wing forwards on the other side pick him up and you know work hard and try and you know camouflage him as the spare man and then you have your centre-back dropping back. Dublin are at it as well with Moran. Why do Wexford persist with having the seventh defender 
when in big games and the same again yesterday they're struggling up front it, to me I, I just I don't understand it now in, it's in his fourth year isn't he why, why third year third year why when most teams will give you that extra back if you if you just let him off why is he persisting with this idea that he wants the extra man the forward to go back in there I, I really don't understand it Willie. Uh, look I'd be totally against free but I know there's a need for it maybe in a, in a certain game where you need to tighten it up a little bit but it's totally alien or, or anti my uh, my way of thinking for Hurland in general I know I differ with Cheddar in this perspective but um, Davies on year three you know have they progressed initially big buzz you know huge physicality you increased that but he didn't pick up an awfully or no no like because we're at the Dodgers no he didn't pick up a leash or a carrot like for after winning 321s in a row he need, and he some good senior players to add into that so there's good hurlers down in Westford you know and the one Leinster under 21 last year as well just Pip and Galway but they still did it and um, there's a hell of a lot of good hurlers I just think for the team that they have and the players that they have it's setting the wrong message I think we've seen the same with Waterford um, with Derek McGraw over the last couple of seasons I'm not being overly critical I just don't agree with maybe I'm just coming at it from a completely different angle I just think it sets the wrong message out to our players you're more or less saying I don't trust the six backs that are in there I think you're going to get roasted so we're going to tighten it up and, and, and try and make sure we don't concede much first and foremost um, now to Davies credit of what I will say and, and, and those, are those, those managers that haven't played it they do bring an attacking emphasis in terms of the wing backs maybe pushing up and creating overlaps and the midfielders the same and sometimes the sweeper goes for a gander up the field but you know I'd much rather set up with six forwards inside and uh, maybe as you said earlier let the half forward line drop out and, and crowd things up if you want and create that space inside for three forwards essentially Yeah what do you, I know you're a fit, uh, uh, you use the sweeper plenty of times um, Cheddar but in year three should you know, if he wants to take the next level, why? Like I have the same criticism of Mickey Hart. Like, I mean, doing the same thing every year. Should you not be trying to tweak things or maybe trying out something different to come back the next year? And the only change being change the actual man that you you know that you're using as the sweeper. Like, I mean, will they get to the next level or will they get the scores that they need by continuing with that same system? First of all, well, I don't think it has anything to do with your preference. Um, I actually don't have a preference for a sweeper. I'd prefer to play more forwards and defenders, to be honest with you, because it's a much more enjoyable game of hurling. It all, it's all to do with your personnel. What is the personnel you have available to you? And you've got to think about how other teams are going to set up against you. Because if you don't have quickness in your full back line, and I mean serious quickness and serious agility and ability to be able to close off balls, you're going to get creamed for goals simple as and, and we've explained that a minute ago about how teams create space up front or even look at Limerick last year now if you do have that and you've got good man markers now you can depend on them but other than that you're going to be out of the game too early you're not going to be in the game but if you use your centre back to drop back off though like or even your right half back just say if the half forward goes off say let him off now you I want you covering that ground that doesn't change the whole shape of your team as much as bringing a forward back to do it do you no, know what I mean no it doesn't Wooly now leave Noel McGrath be that player I will guarantee you Tipperary will will have one of their attacking threats will be fine Noel McGrath with a 30 metre pass off their half back line he will score four points in a row in the blink of an eye 
and you're out of the game. You've 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 ceded control of the game. So I I I, I emphasise that that I would even think that Davy might prefer not to play maybe a sweeper, although he has played it maybe more than anybody. Yeah. But in certain circumstances, you look at how what you have and what you've got, and there's some real key things here, particularly your full back line and the pace in your full back line. And even if you look at Wexford, they have some really big strong players. I know he's tried to change up a little bit this year and maybe last year, who are very very competitive players and if you were the opposition manager you're going to try and pull out your half hour line it's not pulling your half hour line you're trying to drag out their half back line and create a space inside so you're able to put the ball on the ground now it's a very different game you're playing you're taking some of these big players strengths away and and it's much more difficult to, to defend that than you have players running from deep like Limerick had last year so I think it's not necessarily that you have a philosophy on hurling to play a sweeper it definitely is not that um, but it is looking at your personnel and that's your judgement on what your personnel is, is able to do. You might also look at your forwards because you know at some stage or other if you're able to able to take their sweeper out of it by, by your precision on the ball and you're putting a free player in front of your half-back line with the ball in his hand to be able to drill it and, and ping it where you want to and if you have that type of, of quickness in your forward line, now you might see that as an advantage. So it's 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 a tactical, um, I would think, judgment that David would be making in a lot of instances. Now he does play it more often than not. I do agree in that, and and maybe, maybe that's maybe that's uh, not a maybe you know maybe it's not supporting my argument here. But it's certainly a tactical issue rather than a philosophy you know a philosophy yeah. of hurling the way you'd want to play. Yeah. That's it. My criticism is seems to be married to it, no matter who he plays. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's a fair comment, Wooly, and yeah. that probably. Maybe, maybe conflicts a little bit with what I'm saying here. Yeah, okay, right, we'll come back with uh, performance of the weekend. Yeah, we, I, we do, yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have, we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well, so um, we have a couple of Philly donkeys, uh, so I brought them down, and so we did actually sold them to, uh, I think we had four donkeys. On the day, and we told him to a man from Wexford, so we did. So there's there's the piebald donkey from there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, and so um, yeah, you can actually one time one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your would say your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, and a donkey in Eden Palace. Paddy Power performance the weekend lads the first one I have up here and I'm going to throw this to you Brian because you were at the game is Stephen Bennett so he's been running amok in the Munster League um, he's on the freeze now he got 10 frees he got 6 from play I always thought Shane was the better of the two Bennets but for some reason he seems to be starting this year season uh, like a house on fire how, how was he in the flesh? Oh look he was he was brilliant and look Stephen's been hampered by a lot of injuries you know, at such a young age, he's had a lot of problems with his hips. So he he was fantastic. He favours his left hand side, but he's he's big and strong like the brother. Um, he was more or less flawless in the freeze, and six points from play any day you go out is is a fair um, fair achievement. It was his last point from play probably summed up his performance. Where he went out to the ball and enough got taken off him, but on his hands and knees he won a back off two awfully players. Eventually, 
it came back to him and he pointed from, from 65 metres out under a lot of pressure to huge fanfare from, from Waterford probably the highlight of the day he was excellent but look let's be honest um, he wasn't he wasn't marking much either No well we, we saw it was two years ago when Waterford got a run was it to the All-Ireland final they, they hammered awfully in um, O'Connor Park and they were playing kind of a defensive system then Is, was there much of a change from Waterford and was there much of a change from Offaly this year? Um, Waterford yeah look they, they no sweeper but their half back line played very deep the three massive men on the, on the half back line the young guy called Connor Prunty from Abbeyside 6 foot 5 he's, he's a real find uh, Tyke de Borca took up a more traditional role at centre half back as opposed to the, the sweeper and um, actually Kevin Moran where number 8 was playing left half back right. really strong in the air literally there's the wall thou shall not pass and, and that's almost exactly what happened and the way it worked out uh, Brick was actually Brick Walsh was middle of the field and um, you know that was their that was their launch pad for most of their attacks and their distribution of the ball and they played some delightful lower ball inside I have to say a complete contrast to what Offaly were at the other end um, you know their use of the ball was excellent spraying it left right and you know in every sort of way but really impressive from Waterford complete change of style change of approach and I think they're it's probably too early to tell yet but they looked like they were liberated a little bit and look and I have to give credit to Derek McGrath he said last night on Lee Sunday you know he held his hands up and said he said the exact same thing the players look like they're, they're liberated a bit and actually enjoying their hurling so that's, that's very very um noble of, of Derek McGrath to acknowledge that you know? Yeah, uh, well we know about Derek McGrath and his honesty he's honest to a fault um, at times so has the Kevin Martin uh, kind of buzz and in, increase in professionalism and you know the strength and conditioning is that big impact that he's got is that wearing off or is this just a one-off poor performance from Offaly? No let's look there's some clear statistics here now for Seth Mully. three Offaly players started yesterday that started the first round of the league yesterday or last year, sorry. Three. So that's three. Like, we, there's no county has it, let alone Offaly, right? You know, we had the goalie on Cal, the cornerback, Tom Spain, and Shane Kinsler, our right half forward. They were the only three that started to start against Dublin in Crow Park last year. Um, that's just, it's just not good enough. We had only four players with over 10 appearances Offaly. The combined appearances for the 15 that started. Um, between league and championship was 138 appearances like Brick Walsh is 168 alone for what I know he's the leading of all time but in contrast I, I have 131 for Offaly between yeah. league and championship so I'll just tell you the lack of experience that we had but, there but Brian Brian, Brian are, is, is this an issue with the Joe McDonough Cup that there's lads not bothering yeah. committing because they're not in Leinster is this a, is a whole lot of lads not committed yeah, so, or is there a terrible injury crisis or what's the problem right so there's a, see, there's a few things at play here. Probably, I know obviously a lot more because I'm from Offaly. You know, we have okay, we've injuries to to a number of players, six or seven players, and I name four of them for starters are elder players. You know, Joe Burke and Shane Dooley, Connor Matten and Colin Egan, and we'll say like you know they're huge losses. Um, add that into um, Ben Keneally, fine young hurler. He's uh, got his appendix out. Keelan Kiley only back on the panel lately, and Ushin Kelly. Uh, was left off the panel I think got to do with his given exploits for LIT but that's another debate um, ok so there's seven starters that we're, we're certainly missing um, you know and all that but four of them that I'm naming are over 30 these guys 
you know, these mightn't be here next year. I mean, I said a bold statement yesterday that maybe it wouldn't be the end of the world if Offaly were relegated here. And I know we're better off being exposed to a higher level of hurling and all that, but, you know, take them four guys out of it. We don't have a huge a huge amount else to add into Offaly Ireland. Um, we're in dire straits in Offaly, and, and people need to people need to realise that very, very soon. That, like, the tickets are coming home to roost. This has been coming down the tracks for, for a number of years. Dottie Regan... You know, he, he can be bold and brash in some of his statements. He said a good few years ago that Offaly won't be long to we're hurling Christy Ring. And look, everyone was totally against him at the time. It's coming home to roost. And Sherlock Nan said it a couple of years ago, the same thing. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's serious stuff in Offaly. And I know, look, this is, you might say this is a knee-jerk reaction to yesterday. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say management are blameless here either. They essentially are the custodians of Offaly hurling. They chose the team that went out yesterday. To me, they were lambs to the slaughter. Barely no one travelled to that game yesterday from Offaly because when they saw the first 15 that was picked, they knew. They knew that Offaly were in for a hiding. We had five senior B hurlers starting the game yesterday. Um, you know, let's be honest, there's room for one or two in any panel and you know, you're encouraging players to come from, from clubs that are not always tra- traditional senior clubs. But, you know, the, the Gulfing standard between senior A and senior B, which is a glorified intermediate championship, um, is is huge. Yeah. So, like it's 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 dire stuff. Being honest, and like, I feel for the players because I know that these guys have been really really putting it in. Yeah. Um, and they're there since November, slogging four nights a week, and they're at it four nights a week since November. Like it's not like they're just turning up the odd night. Like, these guys are giving it everything. And, and they looked them physically yesterday and they looked like an under-21 team. And Brian, has there been any injection in these games development officers? Has there any been, is there any kind of push being made in the schools? Like, I mean, what's happening? Because this isn't, a, this isn't just a happened this year. Like, I mean, like you said, Dahi Regan's been predicting this for years and years. Yeah, look, and I was involved in coaching, you know, we were trying to get it sorted, Liam Hogan and myself and another committee of eight or nine people just seemed that everywhere we turned it was hitting a brick wall so my answer to this is now stop maybe pointing fingers and looking backwards because we're not going to get any further if we keep looking backwards and blaming whoever and I'm not giving the county board a free pass there far from it because I'd be one of the biggest critics but what I will say is county hurlers are essentially excellent club hurlers everyone needs to just roll back in get the clubs in order because you won't have a county hurler unless you have an excellent club hurler it needs to start and every club needs to take whole accountability and start coaching our young players getting involved in the primary schools there is more GDAs there is more support there's probably not enough actually there's nowhere near enough but that, that's a wider debate completely so it's up to the clubs themselves get into the primary schools get in there and do some of the work I know that's a lot of man hours and a lot of volunteerism but if we want to improve, that's essentially where it has to start. And, and it's, it's people need to roll up their sleeves and get involved at club level, first and foremost. I think, Cheddar, the thing with Offaly is it's so sad to see going, judging on what they've done and batted above their weight and won All-Irelands and incredible. And like when you think about it, it's a freak of nature what Offaly really did because, like I mean, they're a similar-sized county to Leash and we haven't been anywhere near it. So, like I mean, if you look at it, are Offaly just back down at the level outside of this freak period to Leash and Carlos and that's their level and this was just an an incredible, incredible achievement that should be looked back on or like is this just a mismanagement? What's your take on it? Like I mean, I'm not sure what to think. Well first of all um, 
Well, it, 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 look, it is very, very sad. And Brian, I would say to you that there, there is probably tougher even days ahead because once you go into apathy and into that sort of downward spiral, the, the, the work that's needed to re-arrest it is triple what it should have been if it was only maintenance. Um, so this is a very, very difficult time for Offaly and for Carlo and for Westmead and for Leash. And I can absolutely guarantee you hurling is sliding in those counties. You might have some good games along the way, but you shouldn't be looking at it like that. How can we grow the game in the county? And I'm a little bit tired talking about this, Woolly, and I'm, I'm to be honest with you, probably going to get a little bit emotional talking about this. Um, I, I know, Brian, that you were involved and I know, Liam, I actually know, Liam, personally that you were involved. Um, you know, where did the plan go? Where did all these things go? But to be honest with you, a development plan for Offaly at the minute won't arrest where you are, Brian. It needs to be much, much more sophisticated than that. And, you know, the whole buy-in of the whole Offaly hurling public, supporters, young people, schools and everything. And will you ask me a direct question at the start? Was this a flash in the pan for Offaly back in the 80s? Well, look, I was around at the time. It wasn't. It came from... Um, a successful schools team uh, Brian correct me because you're much closer to this than I am but from my memory of it it, cl- it came from Borough Community School being successful building on that school's success that going uh, sort of being distributed across the clubs and, and some things happen one of the things is that the club emphasis of everybody in the area it, it doesn't it, it doesn't decline it, but it changes significantly to you know your interest in your county is very different when you have some chance of success with that county and I re- well remember awfully when I went in Ireland I have never ever seen a county with as many flags around the county in in, in 80 or sorry in 81 when I went in Ireland I've never seen a county as festooned and uh, and as buzzing about hurling um, as Offaly were and look it is very very sad and I, I was actually in Dublin the day that Offaly uh, played du- played Dublin um, I think you're right Dahi was beside me and I actually spoke to you Brian on, this, on the same day if my memory serves me correct and look that there was a uh, there was a lot of Offaly people in front of me on, on that day and like there were that that was a sad day to, to, to go back to that considering the success they had and you know Brian might be a little bit kind here I'll be less kind here Yes, management um, and Kevin may very well be the custodian of the team, but contrast that with the Tipperaries of this world. What is the one thing that they have that the other counties don't have, and Cork and Kilkenny and Limerick now? And one of the things they have is strength in depth is massive in comparison to some of some of these counties. And if you look at Limerick, it's a really, really good example. The amount of work that Limerick had to do to try and get to where they got to last year had nothing to do with the team last year, to be honest with you. It was to do with the de- development plan in Limerick seven or eight years ago called Lifting the Treaty, which brought all of these players along. Those players were really, really minded and they were, they were given sort of extra mind, minding just to let him feel what it was like to be really appreciated and respected for hurling for their county. And that's what I'm talking about, that just putting more coaches into Offaly actually is too late. It's too late. You've got to go way, way more than that. And you've got to look at the whole tie-up between clubs and schools, um, the whole tie-up between development clubs or development squads, what it means to be on an Offaly development squad or a Leash development squad, what sets you apart from every other young fellow in your area, what does that attract for you? Does it give you um, more specialist coaching hours, but more so outside of hurling? Does it give you grinds for your leaving cert or something like that? We need to be looking at, we can't leave even pebbles unturned if we're going to turn around 
around the office and the leash and the west media this world and I'm sorry for getting a little bit emotional but I'm, I'm just so tired and sick of speaking about this subject Yeah it's, well it seems to be the same thing but Brian just to finish up on this I think awfully our obviously their flash in the pan lasted for 20 years in the 80s and in the 90s they got two more in the, in the 90s but like I mean Offaly are in a position ahead of the likes of Alicia or Carlo or Westmead in that they have that glory history to inspire the young fellas like I mean it's not that long ago you know so if you can instill in these development squads like Cheddar says that pride that doesn't seem to be there with the young people coming up through in Offaly maybe it's better to play soccer or it's better to play something else I, I don't know what they're doing but hurling doesn't seem to be the choice anymore. No, it doesn't. And look, St. Brendan's Community School has a huge history in, in, in awfully hurling. And they're, like, look, again, they're doing massive work at the moment. And, uh, you know, you can't be disingenuous toward them either because I know that they are trying really, really hard. Essentially, they can only work with, and this is why I keep going back to the clubs, they can only work with the players that come in to them. And, you know, it's it's, it's a stark reality of it. You know, it was... It was I went to school in St. Kieran's in Kilkenny, so obviously it was the it was the Mecca. There was nowhere better to go. So I, I had a much different upbringing than all my colleagues in, in Offaly even. You know, so I saw, I got that insight into what it takes day in, day out, and, and the expectation of, of being the best. Um, so I'm not for one second knocking what that's what is not in, in St. Ben's Community School because I taught in there myself for a while, so I know that they are doing their utmost. But essentially, if the skills and, you know, the love and grow for the game is, is not instilled in their players in the clubs when they come into the schools um, initially, so then that the, the school can grasp it and bring it that step further. So they're all cogs in a wheel. To me, the foundations have to be done in the clubs. That starts at six, seven, eight. Even it's probably you know some. It could be even too late, even at that stage. So the real grow for the game and emphasis on the right things at that age. You know, enjoyment and fun, but still at the same time learning. You know, that starts at that young age, and that's the clubs' responsibilities along with the primary schools. And that, for me, is is where it's all being lost. And uh, of course, we need a strong flagship team and our senior inter-county team and that is the legacy of probably since the late 90s mid-noughties of the lack of leadership and lack of coaching plan in Offaly so that is the legacy that unfortunately that we've been left with but it, it, it must be stopped at as source that's first and foremost for mine but look Willie and same with Cheddar we could stay here all night yeah, and talk you could about do a full this. show and, uh, at this stage exactly I think, I think it's best we, we leave it where it is Jason yeah we'll never get out of here today I'm going to run through these nominations lads because we won't spend any more time um, on this so Mark Haven I got 12 points 9 from play we, or 9 from freeze 3 from play we mentioned him on Thursday as well Cheddar um, Carlo gave Dublin a real shock so they did which surprised, didn't surprise you at all because he tipped that to be close close enough I've Aaron Galan down here lads uh, he scored 1-5 and on the highlights you'd say Aaron Galan played brilliant because he got a brilliant goal and he got an unbelievable point only the top level forwards can get it Brian which you were running away from the goals out under the stand and br- throws it in over his shoulder but geez, he misses some terribly easy chances then from freeze and from play and you're wondering is this a concentration thing with Aaron Galan or what's his story? Yeah, he, he's a he's gas like that in fairness to him because he actually see the same in the All Ireland last year. Yeah, he he won the first two or three balls, brilliant catches, 
really simple scoring chances for a man of his talent and next minute out to the left and widen that. So yeah, it seems to be just a lack of concentration but when he hits form, you know, he is fantastic and he has size and strength. But uh, yeah, concentration and freeze and we've seen last year as well the same thing. Tom Morrissey sometimes stood up and hit the freeze. Um, you know, so probably has his range and probably needs to stay within it. They've long range free takers then maybe in Dermot Byrne or Declan Hannon even that could step up if needed to be. So uh, that would be probably my little bit of advice for that is stay within his range and don't be forced to because actually speaking of the All Ireland he did that the very first free he went out to the middle of the field, out near the Cusick stand side, and, and poked it wide. And look, that's a very difficult feat to start off for Ireland with, and it probably can unnerve you. And, um, you know, so when you're not at that real consistent top level, because I was some, similar myself as a free taker, pr- pretty good, but probably not at the level of, you know, Joe Canning and, and, and Shefflin and these boys, Owen Kelly, that were just flawless, Pat Horgan. Um, so you need to be making sure that you're you're, you're you're comfortable but to his credit he's not afraid to shirk a challenge I'll give him that No he's definitely not there's a real bit of devilment in him too he likes a bit of variables there and he likes to make sure that he's letting his marker know he's getting the better of him if he is um, Donald Burke scored 1-4 in a half he was brought on at half time and completely changed the game for Dublin Patrick Horgan as you mentioned 10 from play 10 from freeze you'd nearly get tired saying how brilliant he is sure like I mean he just can score just with any bit of a sniff off his back foot from either <laughs> from either side it's just a joy to watch I'll come to you in a second Cheddar Seamus Callanan scored 2-7 obviously that hook on McInerney is the big thing he's the only link play between last night's or Saturday night's uh, squad and Sheedy's managerial debut in 2008 so he's putting all his aces in his leader and there's something just energised about Callanan that he was the leader he was the captain and he led from the front and that was very very obvious I want to come to you on this one because there's a new Tommy Walsh in Kilkenny um, which has me unbelievably excited who is this Tommy Walsh uh, Cheddar and Billy Ryan as well a brilliant goal and a brilliant assist um, too and you were at this game so we just give it a quick mention before we wrap yeah, up no, Tommy Walsh um, look at now is he Walsh or Welsh well it depends on, <laughs> depends on where you come from I suppose in in, in Kenny they'll call him Walsh I suppose um, look it depends on the spelling of the word I suppose but anyway um, obviously related to the real Tommy in, in, I'm not too sure how close but he's a, he's a tolerant man um, what I really liked about him there's a real cut there's a physical cut about him which you'd probably expect would not surprise it, you know it wouldn't sort of surprise you but what I liked about him a lot was some of the technical things that he did were very very good he actually came out to the sideline in, in, in front of us there at one stage and, and uh, held up a cork forward and actually held up the Cork players hurley I'd say legally actually um, and but look he, he certainly will somebody will have to play really well to shift him out of that position and in the last couple of years particularly when Kilkenny full back line was isolated a little bit where there was a lot of space and this is what I was talking about earlier on uh, Kilkenny creaked a little bit and they creaked a little bit below and Turles there this year as well um, I think this guy will nay in a position there Billy Ryan I know a little bit about I saw him playing with Greg Ballacollin uh, this year the one the Kilkenny intermediate uh, one Leinster intermediate they were only beaten by the Cork team there a couple of weeks back um, he's a very very mobile player um, and you know gets around the field a lot very very technically skilled player now they did feed, they feed a, a fair little bit, bit of ball into him yesterday um, and he had the car corner back who was Conor O'Sullivan in, in desperate trouble and you know 
I, I saw Conor Sullivan a couple of times uh, tackling from the wrong side or approaching the high ball from the wrong side uh, and that but nonetheless he caused an awful lot of problems for Cork yesterday and his mobility around the field not dissimilar in style a little bit maybe to an early Billy Fitzpatrick if, if some of your li- listeners remember Billy playing and fantastic legend like Kenny Hurling uh, but gets around the field a lot very very uh, good technical skill uh, strong in the air um, and it, it's going to be hard to shift him off of that but just think for a minute here of the of the Kilkenny forward line TJ wasn't playing yesterday Wally wasn't playing yesterday Colin Fenley wasn't playing yesterday Nunuchi Hogan wasn't playing yesterday and I think Young Mullen from, from Ballyhale might give it a rattle as well so you had six Kilkenny forwards yesterday including Billy Ryan who played very well and they mightn't actually get on the team um, so you know I, I thought that was the, the other performance that was good for Kilkenny yesterday I thought Paddy Deegan had a great game centre back he read the play very well got on an awful lot of ball um, a little bit helped maybe by Cork pulling their half forward and out the field Declan Dalton and then Paddy reading that and, and, and you know staying back just sufficiently enough to be able to mop in that ball that, com- that comes over the top uh, but he was quite impressive Ger Elward I thought tried very hard you know a lot of effort but maybe not sufficient out- output uh, but it would worry you um, when you see the players that weren't there and you're throwing Park Welsh and Buckley into that as well um, so that that leaves only four defensive slots available to them and I, I just think that um, Brian is getting what he wants here um, he's getting the ideal state here for a team serious serious competition for player, players real doggy dog for the Kilkenny jersey to be honest with you getting on the 24 could be a fair st- stretch for you and, and I suppose you're comparing that with what Brian and myself were speaking about with Offaly and, the, and the, the other counties here but from a manager's perspective that's the ideal state in soccer or in rugby at the moment you can buy that state and you can buy it with money um, you can't in the GA Kilkenny have its, its strength in depth they're going to be a serious team and if they get this right this year you could be looking at another decade of Kilkenny dominance Yeah I think to be very good quickly Hugh Lawler um, I was talking about him last Thursday at the full back position Aidan Walsh surprisingly was picked at full forward for Cork I didn't see that coming so how, how is that uh, uh, Hugh Hugh? I thought Hugh Lawler was very steady um, I, you'd probably want to judge that although a little bit later on quicker ball quicker ground and that Aidan Walsh was uh, Aidan Walsh I'll call him by his right I name I think he's Walsh uh, yeah, it's um, was, 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 was quite impressive um, but it's the next part of that play that I think Cork will get much better at the, the, the his movement and his quickness around the field was, and he got a lot of ball in the hand in front of in front of uh, Hugh Lawler but Hugh Lawler was just stood him up and you know he didn't break his tackle or anything like that but I suspect that you know with the likes of Harney and those uh, sprinting through from the half forward line and those little pop passes coming through that you couldn't just let Aidan Walsh get that you know amount of possession in your hand or, or you know there's going to be scores come off of it Yeah okay listen as we've run out of time here there, we, we'll definitely come cover Kilkenny and Cork in a little bit more detail because Owen Murphy had an unbelievable save from uh, Patrick Horgan so we'll give uh, performance of the weekend to Shamie Callanan 2-7 um, the chase the hook the attitude setting the tone uh, like a captain should so he's pa- Paddy Power performance of the weekend and uh, this is a very very long podcast lads so sorry about that I need to pull the reins in on you here um, on a Monday right we'll talk to you on Thursday good luck I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. 
but it's harder to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. 